vessel of mercy. Father, make me a vessel that's true. Fill me with love and compassion and fashion my heart to be. Welcome back to another episode of Cherishing Scriptures Podcast, a podcast designed changing society by cherishing scriptures. I'm back here with Nathan, Zach, and Pastor Bailey, and uh, we're going to tackle James chapter 2. Before we do that, though, uh, Pastor, you want to give us an update of what's going on through the church? Yeah, this is really an exciting time of the year for us, not just the spring of the year, but uh, we just uh, this past week finished our Bay Area Jubilee meeting. And that's a very unique meeting. It's a combination of three churches, Community Bible Baptist Church in St. Petersburg or Pinellas Park, uh, Westgate Baptist Church over on Kelly Road in Tampa, and then Brandon Baptist Tabernacle. And uh, uh, just a a record-breaking year. The attendance was um, uh, bigger than ever. And uh, a great response, big altar calls, uh, good preaching. Brother Perp, Brother Stancil, man, they really just brought the mail. I mean, it was just a great week. Just a great, great week. Church was edified. Everybody that was here today at our Sunday services have just been talking about it, saying how much of a blessing it was. And uh, I think uh, every group got some help, man. The uh, the younger people, the middle-aged people, the singles, the, the older people, everybody. Everybody got a lot of help from it. So it was a blessing. So we're gearing up for summer, getting ready for youth camp, week of July the 4th um, at uh, Calvary Christian Camp. It's uh, hosted on the, at the facilities of uh, Venture Faith Camp in Lake Park, Georgia exciting week and uh, uh, we're really trying to push that now cccamp.org is the website if you're interested in uh, checking that out maybe getting your youth group involved and uh, I think most of us are going we're going to try to work that out and uh, going to be a great week man going to be a great week in July and uh, so much more we've got baptisms coming up uh, if everything goes as it should uh, as, as we're planning uh, we're going to combine uh, some baptisms here from our church and then also uh the Filipino ministry is going to be baptizing as well. So we've got, I'm thinking, maybe a dozen or more that wow, are going to be baptized wow, in one service. So that's, awesome. that's exciting, very exciting. So good days, good days in our church right now. It was. And did y'all notice uh, the night, Thursday night, when the Jubilee was here, I mean, it was packed. Oh, yeah. And when I say packed, I mean, it was, you, you yeah. were close to people. There wasn't many extra seats. And that was encouraging, you know, that kind of gives you a picture of what the church could be in the future uh, if we're doing our jobs as uh, going out and reaching people as Christians. Yep. I didn't get to go to Friday night, but I felt like the messages Wednesday night and Thursday night went together so well. I mean, both touching and very helpful. Um, You know, it was really good, really, really good messages. Brother Perk, Friday night, he preached just a a masterpiece of a message on the prodigal son and uh, really the emphasis of Luke 15, you know, the the real emphasis of the father. And uh, it was great. He did it. Terrific job. Really yeah. good time. Yeah, it was. Are we going to have both of those up there on the website? Both of those, are all, all of those messages on our website? The Thursday night message from here at Brandon Baptist Tabernacle is already on the website. Okay. That's the only one we have access to so far. Uh, when the other two churches provide their recordings, then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll place those on the website as well. But uh, one of the features of the Jubilee is that combined choir, that mass choir. Oh, yeah. Man, it's just 100 voices, man. It's just, uh, just a, an awesome awesome experience yeah and uh 
Yeah, I was telling people about it. When you heard uh, holy is he in here, just because of how our walls are, the brick, and, I mean, it was loud. Yeah. Uh, it, it was it was an amazing uh, feeling and an experience to be there. Even though I was in the choir, I mean, you could really just hear it. It filled the filled the place with a nice volume. Yeah. There's something about a full building. Oh, yeah. You. Man. I would rather have a, a small building that be full than have a big, excessively large building and uh, and it not have that full atmosphere anytime. Always good. All right. Well, I guess we'll jump right into um, taking on James Chapter 2. Anybody want to give a little introduction of how uh, what we're going to be looking forward to in this episode? Well, uh, today in churches across the United States, we have two major problems. Um, and, you know, it's things that, you know, they're not really addressed. One being... The issue, the issue of respecting persons, and the other on dead faith, and so James chapter two is going to be one to to either you know help us get right and uh, get our spirit right, or it's going to show us that there's something lacking in our lives. It's good, good place. So I think what he's got we got here first in the list is of respected of persons verses 1 through 13 is that what we're going to tackle on today yep yeah yeah okay so we got who what who partake who partakes in the skin of, of skin can't talk today guys who <laughs> partakes in the sin the sin of respecting persons and why you know i think this can be taken many different ways and i think that the easiest way that a lot of pastors have to battle with is um and most pastors that i know or at least the ones that are very wise about it they don't know about the finances of the church uh, because oftentimes your biggest givers, uh, especially in churches where the pastor is informed and he does know who their biggest giver is, uh, that can lead to a respect of persons because you're more concerned about what that person thinks, uh, what their opinion is, because what you're afraid of uh, is if they decide they get upset about something and they leave, then the pastor instantly is thinking about their tithe leaving, and I think that's a very dangerous uh, place to get. And that's why I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor, but I believe even here uh, you don't know who gives how much, no. uh, and it's because it can lead to that. No, we have a policy, or I, I have a personal policy anyway, about, um, uh, about people who uh, attend our church. I don't, I, don't, um, I don't know who gives what. Uh, I know what my family and I give. Once in a while I'll get a report, you know, on the online giving. And uh, sometimes that's a little more detailed even than I want to know. But um, uh, I, the reason I do that is specifically because of James chapter 2. Mm. Because uh, it says if you commit respect to persons, if you, if you respect to persons, you commit sin. And, um, uh, you know, so when someone uh, uh, holds that, I've had that happen down through the years where someone has tried to hold out what they give, you know, kind of dangle it out in front of my face and say, you know, I should be getting special attention or special treatment because of those things. Uh, that never factors into me. And uh, I'm like a treasurer's worst nightmare because, um, you know, I genuinely do not pay attention to who gives what. I genuinely don't. The only time that that comes up is, um, you know, if we've had some kind of an unfortunate uh, disagreement or something in the church, and I know that someone has left or is getting ready to leave i'll ask what they gave um uh, just quite simply because uh um i i want i want to know what to be prepared for you know what what kind of uh, cutback we're going to have to make or this or that but uh we're so blessed uh you know that um 
we don't have that very often. And uh, but in the past, when I have had that in my ministry, I've never given close attention to who gives what, how much. Uh, if somebody wants to be an officer in the church, I will ask one question. I'll say, "Do they give?" And I just get a yes or no. I don't get in how much or specific amount. I just get a yes or no. Do they give? And I always ask that question. Uh, but um, other than that, I don't. I don't look at specifics on on givers. I think we kind of see the pastoral side, but what about you know members of the congregation? If someone dressed nice comes in, you know they automatically want to be their friend. But you know someone who's not so nice, maybe they don't smell so nice. They might be lacking in in wealth. And sometimes we, as an American culture, we tend to drift away from that because that's not pleasant to us. But uh, we are charged to love every single person that comes through these doors. Exactly. Right. Even yeah. if they are in, living in sin, we are to love them, hate the sin, but we are still to, you know, kind of drift towards that person and show them that there is a body of Christ. And if they're not in it, they are welcome to join the body of Christ. Yeah, I think a lot of that too goes down to we have our preferences. You know, I have my preferences and my convictions, and a lot of times if we're not careful, we'll let that uh, determine how we uh, deal with people. I was talking to the young people actually this morning in Sunday school uh, about Brother Stansel and Pastor Pert and uh, Dr. Bailey, and I was just talking to them how uh, all of these men are like certain people in the Bible and I compared him to someone, and I said, you know something I can say about Brother Stansel is he uh, has the gift of loving people. I mean, he has, in Pinellas Park, he has probably uh, the largest crowd of homosexuals that I know of that show up. Yep. And he tells them, look, I love you, I care about you, but the reality is, is if I'm going to preach, I'm going to preach on homosexuality like I do any other sin. But I love you, and I want you to come to church, and you're allowed to come to church events, you're allowed to go to revivals and stuff like that. I'm not going to exclude you, but I exclude you. But I'm also not going to hold back on the truth of what God's word says. Right. Yeah, that's right. Brent Stansel, just to follow up on that, he actually told me that that's every weekend mm-hmm. wow. in his church. It, yeah. That that community there is so uh, saturated with that lifestyle that um, uh, you know he was sharing with me that it's not un, it's not uncommon every service to have either a family whose son or daughter just came out of the closet or a or have an actual homosexual couple male or female or whatever the case may be and um they they really have to 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 be careful with that uh, because traditionally among conservative baptist churches that is a very hot button um issue when it comes to respecting of persons you know someone like that would be ostracized sort of castigated cast out of the congregation or whatever and um I think I think it's very unfortunate, you know. And think I think we the saddest thing the to, I think the saddest thing to me about that is, you know, we have people in the church and it can almost go back to the giving. You have people in the church that give a lot uh, and people know that they're wealthy or they've been in the church a while and they have open sin in their lives. They're, you know, they drink or whatever the case may be, whatever the sin is, uh, and we'll look down on that, but then you see somebody that has something that it's almost been a knee-jerk reaction as, hom- as homosexuality has been, and we don't look at it as another sin, but we look at it as the worst. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of a sad situation that when we stop and we think about it, our lying and any other sexual sin that's done is no worse than homosexuality, but it's just because of how we've looked at it as yeah. a society. It kind of puts a very negative connotation on it. Exactly. And in, in this chapter, you it talks about their... Uh, apparel what they're wearing 
He says, if a man come to you with a gold ring and goodly apparel, or someone in vile raiment, but this goes a lot deeper than the clothes on the outside. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can, as when Jesus did in the Sermon on the Mount, you can always go back to a heart issue. And uh, if someone comes in and and they're visibly, you know, broken, and you can tell that financially, maybe there's something in their life that has caused it to be like that way, such as drunkenness or uh, addictions. And we are to look past their outward appearance and go straight to the matter of the heart. Yeah, and actually that kind of almost leads into the second question. If you want to just uh, go ahead and ask that one, uh, Jeremy. Uh, it talks, it asks about that same thing. Why did God choose the poor of this ri- world rich in faith? You know, uh, yeah, that that's yeah, that's the question. And you know, I think it was you as well, uh, Dr. Rayleigh, that talked about this. Uh, sometimes the easiest people to reach uh, with the gospel are people that are legitimately physically starving uh, because they have a need and they understand they have a need. And even Jesus, when he was here, the people he went to were broken people, people that were starving, that were homeless, the fatherless, the widows. Uh, and those were the, they're almost the easiest to reach uh, because they have that physical need and they understand that. Yeah. Well, the condition for salvation, the conditions, you know, that are, are conducive to salvation, if you just uh, stick close, closely with the, the message of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. And uh, poor in spirit is, uh, is you know, it, it has to do, obviously, with the spiritual aspect of it, as it's stated there in the verse. But there's also a, uh, a poverty of, or a bankruptcy of, of um, uh, you know, of intent, or a bankruptcy of means. And what I mean by that is uh, it's predictable. If you get, when we go out door knocking and soul winning, if we go to a trailer park where, you know, people do not own the home, you know they're they're renting or leasing the the lot and the the mobile home and and uh they're they're visibly poor they open the door you know you knock on the door they're friendly they're cordial for the most part they open the door they're willing to converse uh they're willing to talk about the gospel they're more open to that but you go in, into a neighborhood a gated community or something of that nature and they're cold you know they're just shut up they're shut off they're cold they're uh in many cases rude and uh you know that that poor in spirit is definitely it's it's one of the things that makes salvation doable and mm-hmm. conducive uh you know for a person to be born again they got to get to that place where they're poor in spirit and uh not so, not saying this rule totally applies across the board but oftentimes when you see a poor person who's not saved they're trying to fill that void in their life with you know different things like substance abuse and things like that and they're they're constantly searching, whereas the rich people, That's right. they they think they can handle the world by themselves. And that kind of goes into the next question. It, it says, why is wealth so toxic? I mean, why why is wealth so toxic? What's that one verse that talks about how it's easier for um, a camel? Uh, yeah, where it says it's easier for a camel to uh, go through an eye of a needle. Than it is for a rich person to get saved. Oh yeah, well, and I think a lot of it is because um, you know, well, the rich they have everything they well, not everything they want, but almost just about everything, yeah. you know, and they're going to try to get whatever they can from this world, and they don't uh, don't think about what comes next. All the riches that's beyond this. That's right. Yeah, and of course, it's not every rich person. You, you, we can't uh, 
put every rich person in the same label saying right. that they're all under this category but here's the thing is uh, a rich person doesn't have many needs yeah i mean right. what what do they need that money can't get them here so right. then there can almost be a disconnect where they're like you're saying i need something i need salvation almost like the rich man and lazarus i mean he didn't need anything right? yeah, that's the greatest i think the greatest illustration is luke 16 yeah there is a rich man going to hell and a beggar who is going to heaven and uh, i don't think that's an accident mm. you know that he that he arranged it that way and um you know the reality of uh you know it's, i think it's first uh, timothy when paul is really you know it's a pastoral epistle and he's really bringing home the reality of what a pastor is supposed how a pastor is supposed to live what a pastor's conduct is supposed to be and he goes down in in that passage and he says they that will be rich or those that intend to be rich they that will be rich have pierced themselves through with many sorrows they have erred from the faith and he goes on to this list of uh of descriptions of of the spiritual condition Mm-hmm. that riches and wealth can bring into a person's life. And uh, it is very dangerous to be wealthy. It's very dangerous. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, you know, what, what, Jeremy, what you were saying was exactly right. If you have everything in this world, you virtually have no interest in the world to come. Mm-hmm. And that's a violation of Colossians 3, you know, set your things on things above and not on things of the earth. And so it's a, it's, it's, a, it's an incredible spiritual condition. Yeah. And I think you mentioned it, you know, on during the Jubilee, we're like, we shouldn't be attached to the thing. The, we weren't here, we're not here to love the world. There's things outside of, you know, the world that we should have our eyes above and, and focus on. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. I mean, and, go back to Garden of Eden. Uh, what did Satan tempt them with? He said, "There's you have everything here, but there's something that you don't have. And he shoved that fruit in front of their face, and they, they bit it. They they couldn't help themselves because they were greedy. They they wanted to have everything. They wanted yep. to to be the rulers of, of their own world. Yeah, and it, it goes back almost that other verse that says, where your heart is, there's your treasure as well. That's exactly. I mean, wherever your heart is, your heart's in this world and you're worried about this world that's where all your time and your investment's going to be is in this world if your heart's on things above uh, it doesn't matter you know uh, that okay i may lose this job but right it's worth it because i know what god's called me to do uh it's all about being faithful you know it's always been taught and i agree money is amoral it's not money's not evil money's not good right uh, but the love of money is evil and it can really come in um it can come in with I was telling Jackie one time, you know, people probably, when they look at our finances, Rocket Mortgage, when we were going through getting a house, and they look and they're like, these people give X amount of dollars to the church. Are they insane? Do you know what they could do with that? Uh, And it's because they have that, they're attached to their money. Uh, It's not something they can do where uh, money really should be seen as a tool that God can use. Right. Right. It is a spiritual thermometer. Um, you know, there are just, just really just maybe two or three things in Scripture that are um, that tell you your spiritual condition. Mm-hmm. And even though it's uh, neutral, money uh, is, is neutral, the possession of money or even worse, being possessed by money is a, is a, is a true revelation of a person's spiritual state, a person's mm-hmm. spiritual standing. Yeah. And uh, so if a person is greedy, they're not just greedy, you know. If a person is stingy, they're not just stingy. There's a spiritual uh, state that they are living in that is causing them to be 
uh, what old timers would call miserly, right. you know. Uh, and so there's a uh, there's a there's a great great need to do a spiritual diagnosis and do some spiritual inventory when money consumes you to that level, uh, especially when it makes you in James two. You know when he talks about the fact that uh, you know here's this person in gay clothing, here's this person who has this gold ring, here's this person you know and you say come and sit by me, but this other guy, um, you know one guy sit in a good place, and then you say to the poor, uh, stand thou he- he- there or sit under my footstool. Um, that's partiality, mm-hmm. and uh, and that tends to be the the pattern of those who have great uh, possessions and a great deal of wealth. They tend to be very prejudiced. They tend to be very partial towards people who do not. And in the church, you absolutely cannot operate a church with that kind of prejudice. Yeah, and it, I mean, it happens. Cannot. It happens more than we think, unfortunately. For example, you have a person come in if they're in a nice shirt and some slacks or some jeans or something. You know, you, you wouldn't think of anything, but then in some churches, not here, uh, but in some churches, if someone comes in that's homeless, they'll only let them sit in the back rows. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll have a specific section for them. I remember when I was at Westgate, they actually had this homeless man that would come in, and, I mean, he was he, he was kind of crazy, too, but, I mean, they would let him sit. He always wanted to sit in the front two rows, right in front of Pastor Pert, and they would always let him do that, and I, it made me realize that, man, they're really not showing a respect to persons there. They're letting him sit wherever he wants and we had they actually had church members that would come up and sit beside him so uh, it is encouraging to see that uh, it is an option that we have yeah and one more thing about you know the money thing and even you know not we tend to focus on even though i mean i don't know any of us are rich but we tend to over focus on money a little bit and uh, one of the things from you know we when you don't keep your eyes on god you start worrying about other things when you need more of that money. And I just want to, you know, one thing, um, and I'm not, don't really sound, want to sound like I'm bragging, but one thing for me is uh, I was in the hospital before we had joined the church. I was in the hospital in, in that mar- on that March. And a uh, huge hospital bill, and then I had to pay something else. And, um, you know, I there were several times where the offering plate was coming around. I was like, man, I really need this money. Do I want to give it in there? And, but I would give it anyways. And then uh, a couple months later, I just figured out that, uh, that bill was completely gone. Didn't have it anymore. Wow. It was over five thousand dollars gone. Yeah. yeah, you know. So I was definitely, you know, once you stop, stop worrying about. Well, I need this. What can I, what I need to spend with it? You know, let God take care of it. Put your eyes on God, and and uh, He'll take, he'll care, take of care of it. He'll take care of it. And yeah. He did. He did. And that's something really. You have to. It has to be something you set in your mind that it doesn't matter what. Uh, I'll make sacrifices other places, but I'm not going to take away from the ties. No, um, and that's something you. It, it's, it shows, like you said, it's a spiritual thermometer. It tells you how mature someone is. Is if, uh, for example, if the bills are kind of tight and they wanted to go do this this month, but uh, if they tithe, they won't be able to. Then it ultimately it'll tell you something about that person. Are they going to tithe what God's commanded them to tithe, or are they going to tithe a little less so they can feel a little more safe? I remember my parents told me uh, they uh, there was a time when the bills were tight and they were like. Uh, my dad was just saved. My mom was a little more mature than my dad about spiritually speaking. And uh, they were talking about, oh, should we not tithe as much or whatever? And my mom was like, look, we can't afford not to tithe. And right. I think that will right. tell you a lot about exactly a person right. spiritually. You know, there's another side to this coin. Um, you know, we're, we've we've sort of fallen into the trap here that a lot of people fall into uh, when they're making a judgment about these things that, 
you know, that wealth is, you know, the accumulation of wealth or greed or things of that nature is sinful. There is another side of this coin. It is equally sinful for some people to be poor mm-hmm. because that maybe they're lazy or they're not industrious or they don't apply themselves or things of that nature. And there's a spiritual condition there as well. You right. Know? Right. There's a spiritual condition that comes along with greed, but there's also a slothfulness that is condemned in Scripture uh, and uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, and there is uh, in in that slothfulness, there is a sin to be confessed there as well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. Then we can go to the next one here. It says, "Will God really send people to hell for what we see in our eyes as a tiny transgressions of the law?" Yeah. I think that's uh, covered in verse number ten. It says, "For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all." You know, sometimes as humans with a limited capacity, a limited brain capacity, we cannot understand this because we're all transgressors of the law in some way or another, and that makes us transgressors of the whole law. So when we're all like this, if we see a movie and we can always picture the hero and we always think that that there's going to be good that will overcome from the human race, but... There is only one good, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the only one who could take our punishment and live a sinless life, and he was our sacrifice. And there's no way anyone could work their way to heaven because you are a transgressor of the whole law. And for something as simple as being a respecter of persons, like James chapter 2 is saying, you're going straight to hell for that. And you, that needs forgiveness, just as if you were a murderer or things of that nature. If you were an adulterer, you know, tiny transgressions are still transgressions, no matter how big they are. Right. And that's how God sees it. Not saying that there are not different levels of punishment for certain sins, but all sins are exactly what they are. They're mm-hmm. sin. Well, it kind of goes back to what I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, when it comes to respecter of persons, uh, even though that is a sin as well. It kind of talks about, you know, sometimes we'll live with people that, okay, yeah, they have a, a, a problem. They have a small, small, we use the word small, sin problem with this. Uh, but then we see someone that's a homosexual or whatever it is, and we're like, man, they're going to bust hell wide open if they don't accept Jesus as their Savior. And the reality is, is the kid that comes in and goes to church and never says a bad word, but, yeah, he has a problem lying. He has just as much sin in his life as a homosexual does, right. uh, if they die and they go to heaven, they're both going to receive the same judgment. Yep. Right. Uh, sin that they sin. sin and they came short of the glory of God. And that's just the reality uh, is that uh, you can't respect persons, uh, but you have to see sin as God sees sin. God hates all sin. It, right, it, right. God, Yeah, it does say the seven sins that God hates, but God hates all sin. Yeah. It's not just some sin God kind of can't stand and some sin God hates. He hates all sin. Um, and in fact, he hated sin so much he turned his back on his son when he That's was exactly on the cross. Right. Um, but uh, we have to realize that, like it says here, if you uh, break one part of the law, you know, if you say, "Well, I've never committed adultery," as it says here, or "I've never killed somebody," I've never done this. Have you lied? Right. I mean, if you've lied, you you've broken the whole law. The whole law. Uh, right. If you've uh, uh, you didn't keep the Sabbath, you've broken the whole law. That was the reality. If you dishonored your parents. You broke the whole law. That's right. I mean, it's not just, oh, I did all of these, but, yeah, maybe I lied once or twice. You're guilty. You've broken the whole law. 
uh, and you're in just as much need of salvation as someone that maybe, as we see, it has more of a big sin. Yeah. And I would add, you know, simply to that, just two things. Um, you know, when, when he wrote the commandments, the originals, uh, you know, the book of Exodus, you know, Moses on Sinai, the actual finger of God comes down and, and carves out the Ten Commandments on tables of stone. And the reason they're on tables of stone is because stone cannot be bent. It can only be broken. Mm. You either keep it or you shatter it. Right. There is no That's bending good. it. It's not written on plastic. It's not written on wood because those things can be modified. They can be bent. They can be uh, you know, transformed in some way. But you either keep the commandment or you don't. That's the that's the you know, the bare bones fact here. You're either keeping it or you're not. And so there is really only one species of people, and that's the ones who are not keeping it. None of us are keeping the law. Right. You know, right. the law is not good news. The law is not to say, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I feel I feel like I'm keeping ninety five percent of it, I'm doing pretty good. This verse is teaching if you break one, you're guilty of it all. Right. And uh and so uh and the other thing I would add, you know, just quite simply is, uh, you know, to answer the question, I would ask a question. Um, how many sins did Adam and Eve commit before God kicked them out? Just the one. Just one. One. Yep. Just one. And so, you know, God did not wait for an accumulation of sin. You know, when they disobeyed, it was a, it was a flagrant disobedience. It was in direct violation of the purely and recently given word of God. And God said, that's it. They're out. And he set flaming cherubim at the Garden of Eden so that they could not return back to the garden and partake of the tree of life and, uh, and live forever in that fallen state. So God is very serious about sin. Uh, he's merciful. Adam lived another day and another day and another day and another day. Adam lived to be 960 years old um, because God is graceful and God is merciful. But at the same time, uh, there is a standard that cannot be violated. Otherwise, there is judgment. Uh, there's no question there. And I think that's really absent in our preaching. I heard somebody say this the other day, that if America is going to change, the, the, the pulpit in America must change its methodology, change its, its preaching style, because there's so much of, of the um, health and wealth gospel and so much self-help gospel stuff being preached these days. You know, here's 10 things to be financially viable, or here's... You know, thirty things that you can do to have a better marriage. That's not what. That's not the gospel. You know, uh, the gospel is uh, is not about this world. The gospel is about the world to come. So we have to we have to have that holiness aspect in our gospel. Otherwise, we're not really. I don't, I feel you. Know, I'm pretty convinced that a uh, a lot of churches are not preaching the gospel at all because they vacuumed holiness out of their message. And uh, and this is in respect to that. You know, another gospel. Yeah, yeah. it is another and gospel. Another uh, gospel. Yeah. It kind of goes chapter, chapter to what one. you said about that. Uh, the, the thing is, you know, we try to it, enhance, I guess you could say, so many things, you know, enhance our marriage uh, in different things. But the reality is, is if we grew closer to God, uh, then naturally all of those would be uh, better. You know, I, I was always told in a relationship, it's like a triangle. As you and the person you're interested in grow closer to God, you grow, you grow closer to each other. Uh, the closer you go to God, the better you can deal with people, the better you can love people. That's right. uh, because once you realize, uh, going back to this verse, once you realize that, yeah, I may not have killed anyone, but I, I have lied, and I'm guilty of the whole law, just like anyone else. And that's only the Ten Commandments. I mean, if you really go into the Levitical law and all that, I mean, there's many more than Ten Commandments, and we're guilty of all of it. But the reality is we can realize how much we're guilty of 
but how much love God had that he's willing to cover it all. Uh, and that's the same thing, that if we are, want to get over this respecter of persons, we have to honestly love people the way God loved us. Yeah. Right. Same thing, you know, kind of with that all bro- broken or broke one, broke them all type deal. Even, you know, back to the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus said, you know, if you hated somebody in your heart, you pretty much committed murder. So people think about murder as actually killing someone, but, you know, hating them is, is murder. Yeah, you know, so different. And the higher standards in the New Testament, if people rejoice. Well, I thank God I don't live in the Old Testament, but the New Testament standard is even higher. Mm-hmm. You look on a woman and you've committed adultery. Yep. If you if you meditate about murder and have murder in your heart, you've you've committed murder in the New Testament. You know, yep. but you know another thing too, and I know we're running out of time here, but uh, um, there 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 needs to be a great uh, discussion. Maybe at some other point we could have a discussion just about the two tables of the law. You know, this was such a huge factor back in those days because the commandments are not divided five and five they're divided table one four table two six so the first four toward god the last six are toward man and Mm -hmm. if you look at the rich young ruler you remember the question you know what must i do to inherit eternal life and uh just sort of baiting him jesus said keep the commandments and and he said i have since my youth and uh and then they began to itemize the commandments i have not murdered i have not stolen i have not committed adultery he was all on table two so that tells you the the spiritual condition the rich young ruler was he had everything right on table two he had not and just like we have here in james two uh he says do not commit adultery do not kill so do not kill do so on and so forth that's all table two you know but the issue is this what about table one what about no other gods before me what about no graven images what about not taking the Lord's name in vain and, rem- and remembering the Sabbath to keep it holy. So, you know, the thing about it is, uh, James's, James' message here is pretty clear. If you break table one, you have also broken table two. If you break table two, you've also broken table one. There is no separating between the two tables. Right. They're all the, uh, about our relationship and our walk with God. This could almost be like another talk of the rich young ruler because, you know, uh, we mentioned so many things where your money is, your heart is. Uh, you know, respecting person, the rich and uh, the poor in uh, this world are rich in faith. All this stuff, it, it really points back to that person because and what did he get him with? How did he trip up that young man? He basically got him with the no other gods before him. He said, all right, if you want to be one of my disciples, sell all that you have and give to the poor. And that's where he got him because he was like, what's more important to me? He said, what's important, more important to you? Do you want to be rich in this world or do you want to be poor in this world and rich in faith? And he could not imagine giving his either inherited or earned wealth to someone undeserving. So that's the, the ultimate picture of a respecter of persons. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Well, well, I think that includes the, uh, the first part or first half of James 2. Um, one thing I want to do with this, this podcast is before we, before we end it, if we, if we could close it in prayer. You know, for the for us and for the listeners out there, you know, maybe this is helping somebody. So, anybody want to close the close us out in prayer? Yeah. Pastor got it. The pastor's yeah. got it. Right. Yeah, we can pray. Father, thank you for the blessings that you have given us in God's Word. It's just um, an inexhaustible uh, mine of gems and riches and and wealth beyond um, anything that this world has to offer. So, thank you for what you've given to us. Uh, thank you for these precious brothers who uh, who want to get God's word to the hands of the people who need it. 
and uh, we're thankful that you have given to us uh, just like in the days of the 1600s when uh, when they had the advent of of a bound copy of God's word all 66 books in one format that was a new development and and quite a possession for them to have and today we've been given the internet the radio waves the opportunity lord to disseminate the gospel at a higher level than ever before and so we pray that you'd bless this podcast use it mightily and powerfully for the glory of god continue to bless our church we pray for our listeners today Uh, there may be someone who is really at the bottom of the barrel uh completely out of fellowship with god maybe and they need to come back home and make things right or there may be someone who doesn't know christ as all as their savior Uh, We pray that God's word would be more real to them than any other listener. And just let your will be done in that, and we're going to give you glory for it. Thank you again, Father, for all that you've done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Thanks for listening to Cherishing Scriptures podcast. Um, This will be available on our website. You can download it, take it it with you, and listen to wherever you go. Or YouTube, you can check it out and watch the full podcast there. Thanks, guys.